confess after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Eben's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around the greatness of your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And as we hear the word today, I thank you that our hearts are open to receive the incorruptible word that is able to save, deliver, and set free our very souls. And so I thank you that as I have decreased, that you will take this vessel of clay and you will fill it with the spirit of your word. And your word as it goes forth, I thank you that signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word as we teach it today. And the lives of your people will not remain the same. They will move up in their spiritual levels and they will move up in their faith as a result of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. This morning, we're continuing our series on lost, which stands for life without a pastor. Now, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I didn't know you needed a pastor for your life. Now, look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you should have knew that already. Now, the purpose of this series is to help everyone understand the God-ordained need that they have for a pastor and how a pastor has been designed to help equip God's people to serve, to discover their destinies and to work and serve in the kingdom. So our title this morning is how to receive your pastor or you can do it as a subtitle, how to connect to your pastor for success, how to connect to your pastor for success or how to receive your pastor. Now, so far, we've discovered that a pastor's role and purpose in a person's lives is fivefold. Number one, a shepherd or a pastor is, to, is supposed to provide. Say, say provide. provide. And then he's, he is supposed to perfect. Say perfect. perfect. Then he is supposed to preside. Say preside. That means to preside over. And then his job is to protect. Say protect. And then last but not least, His job is also to pray for the sheep. Amen. And we've defined a pastor as a natural or spiritual person who guides, governs, and guards a flock. Now, we're going to focus on the spiritual part of what a pastor's job is. If you will turn your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 6. This is the context of scripture that we've been using for the last three weeks. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. I promise you this morning's word is going to change your life. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus saw a need for people to have a pastor. Jesus saw that as a need. In verse 34 of chapter 6 in Mark, it says, And when Jesus came out, he saw much people, and he was moved with what class? He was moved with compassion toward them. And here's why he was moved with compassion. Because they were as sheep not having a what? 
not having a shepherd, and then he began to teach them many things. Now, the word shepherd there, when you reference it over in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, when it says, and he's given some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and pastors and teachers, the word pastors there in the Greek is the same English word as this word shepherd. So shepherd and pastor is the same word. Now, what's interesting about that is that word pastor is only used one time as an English word throughout the New Testament, but the rest of the time it's used, which is 18 times, is actually used for the English word shepherd. So that's why I want to focus in on the responsibilities of a shepherd because he emphasized 17 times about the word shepherd. Amen. Now, let me give you some ways this morning on how to receive your pastor so that you can connect for success. Now, these are things that I know are going to bless your life. These are principles that I have put in my, in, in my life. I've practiced them on a consistent basis. And that's why over time, everybody say over time. Some of these principles are going to take some time to work through your life. They're not, see, the word of God is not like magic. Where you can just, you know, abracadabra, abracadabra, how many know that don't work anyway? Some of y'all been praying over your bills. Abracadabra, abracadabra. <laughs> no, you're just going to sit down and have to write the check. That's what you got to do. Okay? Go to Galatians chapter 5 as our first point. Galatians chapter 5. And I'll give you the point as we get there. Galatians 5. In order to properly receive your pastor, your trust must be first in God and then in him as a person. Okay, I'm going to say that again. In order for you to properly receive your pastor... You must first put your trust in God and then him as a person. You cannot trust your pastor first. You have to trust God first. Amen. Amen. How many know you can't submit to a person in the flesh before you submit to first uh, God in the spirit? Amen. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5, look in verse 10. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, watch this. It says, I have now, I learned this scripture a long, long time ago, and I loved it. This is Paul talking. He says, I have confidence in you, watch this now, through who? He said, I have confidence in you, but my confidence is in you, but it's through the Lord. Now, he goes on to say, because I can read it in context. He says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. In other words, I want you to see too, as a pastor, the reason I know the word is going to work in your life if you receive it, because God's word says he will not allow his word to return void. So when I'm teaching, the confidence I have is not really in you doing it. The confidence I have is in the word that I'm teaching you. Amen. So we see here, he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord. Now write down 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 4. This is what it says. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. That you both do and will do the things which we command you. He says, and we have confidence in the Lord in touching you. 1 Thessalonians, write this down, chapter 2 verse 13. This is what it says. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing. Watch this now. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word Word of God. See, when someone's teaching, if you don't watch it, you will hear the word that they're teaching as if it's them teaching. And that's why it's so important to teach the word. Why you know that I give you so many scriptures so you can go back home and you can reference them. Amen. Now, Jeremiah 3.15, let's go there. We use this scripture once in, I think, our third teaching. Go to Jeremiah chapter 3. Let me show you this. Here's the point I want you to write down. We must believe that God has ordained and sent men to be shepherds and pastors. 
We must believe that God has ordained and sent men to be shepherds and pastors. See, if you don't believe that, you will feel you don't need them. How many know that in order to get to heaven, you must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me see your hand. You must believe. It's no option. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father except through me. So it doesn't matter what all these other religions say. If they don't have Jesus Christ as the doorway, you can't get to God. So we must believe in Jesus to get saved. Well, we must believe in pastors because God's put them in place for us to do that. Watch this now. In Jeremiah 3.15, are you there? He says, and I will give you pastors according to whose heart? My heart. And they're going to feed you with what class? Knowledge. Knowledge. And what else? Understanding. I want you to write this down as a take-home statement. A man from God should feed you the word of God. A man from God. Notice I say a man from God because a lot of times now, not all churches should have been uh, uh, really started by just any other person. You know how many churches close about a month? Probably about 300 churches close every month. Well, some of them close because they never should have opened. Like I said, being a pastor is not a job. It's a calling. You just can't decide one day I'm going to be a pastor. Now you can if that's what God has put in your heart to do. But if you just start because you wanted to do something. I remember years ago. I ain't going to say who it is because uh, uh, it's one of my cousins. But one of my cousins. <laughs> y'all know that cousin go to this church, right? They go to this church. So if y'all can't figure it out, it's Big Sid, okay? All right. I just had to bust him out like that. Big Sid years ago when I first got saved, he was like, Cuz, man, you need to start a church. I was like, for what? He said, man, we can make some money. <laughs> How many know you can't preach for money? Can't do that. Can't preach for money, man. Listen, it's too many problems to be preaching for money. Amen. So uh, we see here, uh, I'm going to give you that statement again. A man from God should feed you the word of God. So we see God has given us some pastors. So one of the reasons why you need to receive and connect to your pastor is you must develop, and here's why, you must develop a biblical view and a spiritual understanding of what this person should do in your lives. If you don't have a biblical view, that's why I gave you the scriptures. See, it's God's will for you to have a pastor. So you must develop and maintain a biblical view and a spiritual trust for your pastor. Everybody say develop and maintain. All right, here's number two. This is why you should connect with your pastor. This is why you should, you should receive them. You should receive or connect to your pastor by being and staying teachable. This is how you connect. I'm, I'm telling you this morning how to connect to your pastor. Because many times the enemy's thrown things in our life to keep us from connecting. Well, let me show you. I'm going to show you at the end one of the reasons why he does that. But you should receive and connect to your pastor. And you got to do that by staying teachable. Everybody say stay teachable. See, since God has put in every pastor who, who's been chosen by God the ability to feed every member, it is the member's job to stay and maintain teachable. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, you don't have to turn there. This is what it's... Well, let's turn there. Go to Matthew 5. Go to Matthew 5. Let me show you. Here is one of the keys to how to stay teachable. This is why I have a pastor. I have a pastor because I haven't stopped learning. The moment I stop growing and the moment I stop learning, you all are in trouble. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, look in verse 6. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. It says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness, for they shall be what? 
feel. Okay, write these down as some keys to staying teachable. Number one, I can only be taught or filled with knowledge based on my level of hunger and thirst. Jesus just said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be what? Filled. So watch this now. My ability to be filled is based on my hunger. So it's up to us to maintain a level of hungerness for the word of God. And when we keep that level of hungerness, then God's word has declared he must fill us. And this is why some people can sit in a church setting and not grow because they are not, they don't realize they're not teachable. See, you can sit there and say, I've heard that before. Well, how many know you went through the fifth grade before? But you may not know all the information again right now. Some things you have to go back over again and again. Amen. If I gave the average person in here a fifth grade tax test, we would probably all flunk. How many know? Amen. Heaven bring homework home. I'm like, heaven, you need to call a tutor or something. I can't help you right now. I was just so proud the other day that heaven is taking ban. And so heaven waited to the last minute and had a whole lot of work to turn in. And I was so excited because my wife couldn't help her, but I could. If I didn't learn anything, I learned band. <laughs> How about learn? I've learned band in the Bible. How's that? Those two right. Amen. So you can only be taught or feel based on your level of hunger. That's number one. Here's another way to stay teachable. You must understand that God has equipped a pastor with a unique understanding of way and way of communicating God's word specifically to you. Now go to Luke chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We use this scripture also, but I'm going to show you a different thing about it. Now remember now, we're looking at shepherds on the spiritual side, and then we're going to translate what they did on the spiritual side into the natural. In uh, Luke chapter 2, look in verse 15. The, the context of the scripture is this is when the, uh, the shepherds uh, were abiding in the field, watching over their flocks at night, and then... Uh, God spoke to them through angels and told them about the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, in verse 15, it says here, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, watch this now, Let us go now, or let us go even into Bethlehem, and see these things which have come to pass, which, read this with me, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Notice that the Lord made it known unto shepherds and nobody else. Now, I told you up front, why did God just use the shepherds? Because back in those days, shepherds were considered people who should have been trustworthy. Now, he not only told the shepherds something that no one else knew. Let's look now and drop down now in verse 20. It says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was what? told them notice it says they returned glorifying and praising God now if you look in verse 17 it says and when they had seen it when they saw Jesus they made it known abroad so these shepherds turned into evangelists God used them to go tell everybody about what they had seen and I believe that everybody that these shepherds told believed what they said because shepherds back in those days were very honorable people and that's why there should be some criteria for a person to be a pastor I mean, there should be some criteria. You can't just be a pastor just because you decided God called you and you have a hunger for the word and you decide you're just going to do that. No, there are some criteria. The Bible says that a pastor ought to be the, the, the husband of one wife. 
And you say, well, pastor, what about a divorced pastor? Well, that's no problem because as long as he divorced the first one and he had proper biblical reasons for divorce. Notice I said proper biblical reasons for divorce. Then if he got married to another, that's still just one wife. You know, you can't be a Mormon and have like five and ten of them. Amen. The Bible says as a pastor that he ought to have his children in subjection to him. Now, subjection and control are different now. Because the Bible says in, in Ephesians 6, the fathers provoke not your children unto wrath. So it's not talking about controlling your kids. It's talking about being an example to them to the point that they don't mind following you. And them, them through following you uh, makes your life easy. So if you see here, the shepherds here were God used them to do two things. Number one, he spoke to them something that he didn't speak to nobody else. Then the second thing that happened is that when they came, they began to uh, the, uh, share the word. Now go to Acts 8. This was a good one, I thought. Go to Acts chapter 8. God used this particular apostle. His name was Philip. Remember now, he's given some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. In this case, Philip was an original apostle when Jesus was here on earth. And so uh, God spoke to him and told him to go help somebody. And let me show you why you need a pastor. Go to Acts chapter 8. Go to Acts 8. God used this particular apostle to explain things regarding the scriptures that was not understood by him. I'm going to be able to open this word and be able to explain things to you that you read years ago that you didn't figure it out on your own. Go to Acts 8 and look in verse 26. Are you there? It says, and the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is the desert. And he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, and a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure. We're talking about him being the treasure of someone who was a queen of a country. And had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading the book of Isaiah. Look at verse 29. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join yourself to his chariot. And Philip ran to him. He heard him read the prophet Isaiah. And then Philip said to him, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I accept someone should what? Someone should. He said, you know what? I'm reading this thing, but I can't figure it out. And that's why you need a pastor. God is going to show things to that person on how to teach you the word. So when you leave that place, your life can be one of more than abundant. Amen. Amen. So we see here that God used uh, an apostle, one of the fivefold giftings, uh, to help that person. Now, there are five things that you can do to, to be taught. Everybody say be taught. There's a, to me, there's a process in learning. Here's the first one is revelation. Everyone say Revelation. That is nothing but spiritual insight and understanding at your level of comprehension. So you got to get a revelation. And revelation comes through teaching. Then after you get a revelation, you need to do some meditation. Everybody say meditation. And this is where I take the time to meditate on what I was being taught. That's why we have small groups. So during the week, after you all go to small group, you talk about what's being taught. So that why now you begin to meditate on what you heard. And as you meditate on what you heard, then the next thing happened, and that is repetition and saturation. Everybody say repetition and saturation. This is where the repetition of hearing the word, when I started hearing it, the more and more and more, it begins to take some root in my life. So after now saturating, then we got activating. Everybody say activating. That's where now I begin to obey the word in my life because faith without works is what? 
after I begin to meditate on it, as it gets saturated in my life, then I start now activating it and I start doing that word. And after you do that word, you'll experience transformation. Everybody say transformation. And this is where my life and my circumstances begin to change. And after I have heard the word. So here's the thing to stay teaching and then we'll move on with the next point. Here's the thing. To stay teachable, you really just got to stay humble. Here's the thing. Because no one knows it all. How many know people who sit at home every day? Y'all got some members. Uh, everybody got a drunk Willie. How many got Uncle Willie in your family? Let me see. Okay. Now, listen. Everybody has an Uncle Willie. And Uncle Willie is that person who gets drunk. And when he gets drunk, for some reason, he wants to preach. Come on, how many got an Uncle Willie in your family? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, they just get religious all of a sudden. And they're telling you about the Bible with that hot breath. About as drunk as he can be. Don't go to church. Don't care about church. Well, see, Uncle Willie has a head knowledge of the word, but not a heart knowledge of the word. Amen? Now, so you got to stay teachable. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to stay teachable. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Here's a good part in the meat of the message right here. Ephesians chapter 4. This is why you must connect to your pastor for success. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Read it with me, verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So watch this now. That word perfecting there, it says, for the perfecting of the saints. A pastor's job is to help perfect the saints. That word perfecting means to complete furnishing or to be complete by furnishing have you ever purchased a home and it was a you know it was a next level home for you and so you got it but you really didn't have enough money to completely furnish it how many know what i'm talking about okay well a pastor's job is to help equip you to completely furnish your spiritual life Amen. And God has equipped this person to be able to do that. Every member in the body of Christ, God has specifically assigned for you to do something. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, you can just write that down. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So every believer should be connected to a church to do the work of the Lord. But I have discovered why one of the reasons the enemy tries to disconnect a person from a church? I have figured it out. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 13. I tell you what, go to, yeah, go to, go to, no, go to Ephesians chapter 4. And then we'll go to, because we're already in Ephesians. Are we already in Ephesians? Let's go to chapter 4. Let's look in verse 1 very quickly. And then we're going to go to Hebrews 13. In uh, Ephesians 4, 1, it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you should walk worthy of the vocation Wherewith you have been called. The word vocation there, when you look it up, it means calling. So what he was saying easily is, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling wherewith you have been called. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have been called to do something in the body of Christ. Now I have found out why the devil... Gets people to disconnect so they won't do what they're called to do in the body. Because there are two reasons why he does that. The first one is, go to Hebrews 13. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, as we wrap up here. Hebrews 13. See, there are two things that are necessary when you connect and you get involved in a church. Number one, your involvement does 
two things. It causes God to restore you, mend you, and heal you in areas that you may need while you carry out your good works. I'm going to show you here through this verse in Scripture that you actually get healed while you're serving. See, we do the backwards. We sit until we get healed when the healing comes while we're serving. And so what he does, he keeps people from being connected to a church, which connects them to a pastor, which disconnect, well, it's supposed to connect them to doing the work of ministry. He keeps them from doing the work of ministry because you get healed while you're doing the work. Watch this. Go to Hebrews 13. Look in verse 20. It says, watch this. Are you there? It says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, there's that word pastor again, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, look in verse 21, he's going to make you what, class? He's going to make you what? Perfect. Now, that word perfect is very interesting because when you look it up, that word perfect, write this down, means to restore you, to mend you, and to heal you. What did I say it meant? Restore mend and heal say it again restore mend and heal so really that verse could read like this he's gonna make you perfect he's gonna restore you he's gonna mend you and he's gonna heal you watch this though in every good work notice it's in every good work so how do i get restored and mended and healed in every good work which says that while i'm doing it then that healing takes place let me show you this word Uh, perfect or perfect right there. Let me show it to you in two different verses. Go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 21 real quick. Matthew 4, 21. Let me show you these two words, this one word again in two different English words. Matthew chapter 4. He said that we will become perfect, we'll become restored, we'll become mended in doing the work. In Matthew 4, are you there? Look in verse 21. If you don't catch up with us, just look at the screen. Matthew 4, 21. It says here now, let me show you this word perfect or perfect. In verse 21, it says, And going on thence, he saw two other brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father. And what were they doing, class? They were mending the what? They were mending their nets. The word mending there in the Greek is the same word perfect. So what he was saying over there in in, uh, that scripture where it says that, that we will get perfect, we'll get restored, we'll get mended in doing the work. Now, you don't mend something that's not broken. Let me show you this word again. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Go to Galatians 6. Let me show you this word again. Let me show you. See, we expect to get healed while we sit on the sidelines. And God is expecting to heal us while we are on the the field. I'm going to say it again. We're expecting to get healed from all of our wounds, all of our hurts, and all of our issues. We expect to get healed by sitting on the sideline. And God is saying, I will heal you while you get in the game. Galatians chapter 6, let me show you this word perfect. Let me show you this word mending again. Uh, Galatians 6 verse 1. It says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a what? In a fault. You who are what? Spiritual. You can tell if you're spiritual or not if you want to help people get restored. He said, you who are spiritual. What's that next word? What is it, class? Restore such a word. That word restore is the same Greek word for mending. And perfect. Now let's go back over to Hebrews. Go back over to Hebrews chapter 13. Let's just close this verse out. Because see, 
I got to show you that you got to connect with a pastor because when you connect with the pastor, then you end up connecting with the church. When you connect with the church, you're going to get involved with the vision or you should. When you get involved with the vision, whatever's going on in your life, God's going to make sure that you're healed in the process. Hebrews 13. Let's close it out. Verse 20. It says now the look in verse. Let's, well, let's start in 20. Now, the God of peace that has brought from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to start now skipping verse 21. He's going to make you perfect. He's going to restore you. And he's going to mend you in every good work to do his will. That's what it says. He's going to restore me. He's going to mend me in every good work to do whose will? To do his will. So one of the reasons why you got to connect is that God is going to use that connection to help you do some good works, and those good works are going to help you get healed on the way. Now, let me show you another one. Go to Titus chapter 3 as we wrap up. Titus 3. Titus chapter 3. Here's the second reason why you need to connect to your pastor for success. Titus chapter 3. Being involved in good works causes me to produce some fruit. And the producing of that fruit positions me to have a lifetime of asking status. See, the reason why the devil wants you to stay hurt. Everybody say stay hurt. He wants you to stay hurt is to keep you out of the game. And he wants to keep you out of the game so that you can't get healed. And then if he keeps you out of the game from doing the good works, then eventually you cut your own asking status out from God. Look in Titus chapter 3. Look in verse 8 first. It says here. This is a faithful saying, and these things will I affirm constantly, that they which have believed in who? How many believe in God? It says those who believe in God might be careful to maintain what kind of works? Good works. Now, let's drop down to verse uh, 13. Drop down to verse 13. He says, and bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. Verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain what class? Now, why is he telling them to maintain good works? Let me show you. For necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. So watch this now. Unfruitfulness is the same thing as no works. So if you never connect and you never get involved, you never become fruitful. Because notice he says here that their fruitfulness will come through being involved. He says, let you maintain good works so that you be not unfruitful, which means that fruitfulness equals good works and 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 unfruitfulness means no good works now go to john 15 as we close go to john 15 now go to john 15 because see here's the exciting part to me when i get involved in the game god begins to heal my life and as i get healed and i'm in the game i start doing some good works and as i do good works then i'm going to position myself to get a permanent lifetime asking status as long as I continue to do the works. Watch this. In verse 16 of chapter 15 in John. John 15, 16. He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth what class? Bring forth fruit. Now, wait a minute. Stop right there. How did we just define that you bring fruit in? Come on. Touch your neighbor and say good works. So good works are equivalent to producing fruit. He says, I want you to go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should what? Now, how do my fruit remains? By keep doing good works. There we go. Watch this now. And that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So watch this now. As I'm connected, I'm doing the work of ministry. I'm connected to the vision. 
I get involved in that church. While I'm involved, God heals me. And as I'm getting healed in the process, I'm producing fruit. And as I produce some fruit based on what he just said in John 15, I have asking status. And that's why the devil don't want you to connect to a pastor or to a church because there's only one vehicle that God has in the earth realm right now that will help you produce good fruit. And that is something connected to the church. And I believe there are some people that got out of the game. You got hurt by somebody. The last pastor Zechariah that we talked about last week. You got hurt. Well, you got hurt. You might have got hurt at this church. Could have been, and you know, and some hurts are real and some are perceived. But regardless of what it is, it's our responsibility to trust God to heal us. Why would you stop serving God in your local church just because somebody there made you mad? Who are you serving? Are you serving them? Or are you serving as unto the Lord? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning. And you got out of the game. You stopped serving. You stopped being involved. Something happened. It could have been at your last church, the church before last. But somehow, you're not doing anything right now. You are sitting on the sidelines. Well, here's the question that I want to ask everybody in the room today. Because, see, some of you all, you're in the game. But you forgot to connect your faith to the promise of what producing fruit does. And now what's happening. You're living the, you're doing the word. But you're not expecting the promise. Because your faith is not engaged. Maybe you're here today. And you've never accepted Jesus Christ. As your personal savior. Well you must first come to the great shepherd. Before you can submit to an under shepherd. Now what's the advantage of being saved? What's the advantage of being a Christian? What's the advantage of accepting Jesus Christ. As your personal savior. Here's the advantage. First of all, eternal life becomes yours. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. You may be here today and you've never 100% given your life to Jesus Christ.